God, I still stand in awe of you. That you would deign to, to even talk with me. I think of a, a journey that we have been on, just you and me, God, for all these decades. And how many times you've shown me glorious, glorious vistas, God. And then I turned right around and do something stupid, God. I, I, I act like, like we never had those conversations. I, I act like, like God, somehow you were not worthy of my complete devotion. God, thank you that you are not like me. Thank you that you are not like us. You are holy and you are always holy. God, I thank you also that that holiness does not preclude grace. That every time we fall short and call on your name, every time, God, we sin but but turn from our sin and call again on your grace, you reveal yourself glorious again. Oh, Father, this has been a challenging week for many. And many of us have tried by our own strength to solve our own problems. I don't understand it, God. I just know that I'm wired sometimes to try and fix things myself. And and I can't fix myself, much less anything else. So God, thank you that I can come right now. I can boldly approach the throne of grace, not because of who I am, not because of what I have or haven't done, but because of Jesus Christ and him alone. Thank you, God, that in love you gave your only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him, whoever would turn to him, God, whoever out of desperation would cry out to him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. And God, forgive us our sins. Amen, church. For they are many. Thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all unrighteousness. God, lift up our faces. Jesus, like you did to that woman cast before you in the midst of her sin, lift up our faces. May we hear those precious words that you spoke to her. Neither do I condemn you. Go. Sin no more. Thank you, God. Thank you that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Now, God, I pray with courage, rejecting any condemnation that uh, people around us, that our culture, that we ourselves, God, would put on ourselves. Rejecting condemnation. I pray that I pray that uh, we might boldly then lift up our faces and join you in the amazing ministry that you are doing. You are revealing yourself, God. To those who don't yet know you, you are proving yourself glorious miraculously in many cases, God, so that people may know that you exist, that they may know that the one who created them, who formed them, has also delivered them and has meaning and purpose. 
for their lives. You know, we're going to live into that future. We're going, to, we're going to choose to boldly approach your throne of grace. We're going to choose to pray bold prayers, even if it scares us to death, God. Because we know there's no safer place to be than in the center of your will. So God, thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. We do cry out, all of us know someone who is struggling right now physically. God, we are, we are believing that you've heard our cries. We are asking for an end to this pestilence. We're asking for, for this season of grief to end. But we trust you, God, that you are working out your divine purposes even in the midst of the trial. I love it. I love you, God, that you invite us to pray for those who are sick, believing that through our prayer and the power of your Holy Spirit, they will be healed. We pray, God, we believe that you invite us to pray for our city, to pray for our nation, to pray for our leaders, to pray for this globe, God, that that we might turn from our wicked ways and embrace the one who's truly worthy of leading us to embrace the king of the universe. So Holy Spirit, Lay aside, uh, God, our doubt. Grant us that mustard seed of faith. Strengthen our weak knees. Strengthen our feeble hands, God. And may we embrace your purposes for our life this day. God, I'd ask that you just open our hearts and minds to your word. I pray that we could hear it with new ears today as if for the first time. I I pray, God, that you would speak, that you would teach us yourself through your word today. And then, God, we will make this covenant. We will choose to put it into practice, however you lead us. Oh, we love you, God. Pray right now that um, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And everyone said, amen. Open your Bibles again, would you, to Psalm 139. If you do not know this psalm, it's an amazing exposition of the final two verses. And so let's hear it, and uh, Chris is going to read it for us. Let's hear the Word of God as if for the first time. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, 
Even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they would be more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. We're going to jump down to verse 23, our memory verse, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Kristen. I love uh, movies that um, give us insight into ourselves, and so many of them have uh, taken on the subject of prayer. It's so interesting, right? From from modern movies uh, about your prayer room um, to to very old movies where you see the heart of someone poured out before God. I think I'm thinking of uh, the Christmas movie. Is is he said? standing on a bridge ready to ready to end his life and he and he prays God if you are there right what if we could what if we could really hear prayers as God hears them right what if we, what if we just heard our own prayers echoed back to us as God hears them I think I think what we would discover is um, the power of childlike prayers right I don't know if your children are at that place where they're beginning to pray, but sometimes it's just astounding what they pray, right? Sometimes it's kind of funny what they pray as well. Here's a seven-year-old. Dear God, please send a new baby for mommy. The baby you sent last week cries too much. (laughs) Dear God, and I pray this one, who did you make smarter, boys or girls, right? My sister and I want to know, right? How about this one? How many angels are there in heaven, God? I would like to be the first kid in my class to know the answer to that one. This is my prayer. Sounds holy when it begins. Goes downhill from there. Could you please give my brother some brains? So far, he doesn't have any. (laughs) Last week, we began thinking about extraordinary prayer, right? Prayer that believes, prayer that reaches out beyond the, the artificial boundaries that we put our, around ourselves. We began thinking about, about this new year and, and how might we be transformed, right? 
And it's not like somehow we could, by our own power, change ourselves, but, but we began to, to live into, press into the invitation of God to be transformed in this new year. And we saw, uh, from God's word, that global transformation, you remember, begins with the people of God. I know it was a week ago. I know you slept since then, but we looked together at Second Chronicles 7.14. Do you remember? If my people, right? Transformation, global transformation begins with God's people. If my people who were called by my name. We looked specifically last week at, at four conditions of transformation. Do you remember? If my people will humble themselves, if my people will pray, if my people will seek my face, if my people will turn from their wicked ways, God says, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I wanted to just sharpen our focus a little bit this week and look more carefully at one of those conditions, right? Look more carefully at the condition of prayer. And, and specifically, the role of prayer in our personal transformation. Just know that that where we're going to go, we're going to go to say, how can we be God's instruments in transformation in our families, in our city, in our world, right? But, but just like we saw last week that it begins with God's people, I'm going to take it even sharper and say, uh, this week I want to spend one week saying it begins with me, right? It begins with me. Look at look at this beautiful prayer of David, right? David says, search me and know my heart, right? Wow. Wow. I, I just call this, this message dangerous prayers because this is a dangerous prayer, isn't it? Um, it's like, it's like I got pulled over, um, near the airport for, uh, by a police officer. First time in probably 20 years I've been pulled over. And, and my heart still leapt, right? When those blue and red lights show up in the back. And, and the police officer did the same thing that, that they always do. They just try and let you convict yourself, right? And, and he comes up to the window. My family's in the car. And, 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 and they come up to the window of my PT Cruiser and says, do you know why I pulled you over? Right? It's like begging you to, to confess your sins, right? And, and I'm, I, I, I should have expected it. I was not ready. I said, um, I'm guessing that I was speeding. And he goes, no, that was not it. <laughs> I'm going, oh, great. Great. What, what is going on? Now, I recall that just a few moments ago, we talked about light all winter, right? I recall that just a few moments before, I'd been kind of, I, 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 what is the matter with my eyes? I'm just not seeing very well. And I flashed my brights probably right at the cop sitting by the side of the road. I flashed my brights as I went by and, and just said, why can I not see very well, right? And, and, and then I saw the car and I turned my brights off and continued on. And he said, no, one of your headlights is out, right? And then he asked me this question. I don't know what this was. Some of the police officers in the room might be able to help me here. Um, uh, how long have you known that your headlight was out, right? He just really wants to convict me, right? He really wants to get me. And I said, officer, I didn't know my headlight was out, right? I, I didn't. And and he kind of hemmed and hawed around for a little while and said, well, get it fixed, right? And let me go. 
But I, I just, I just remember seeing that in in my rearview mirror, the little prayers that go up, um, right? The little prayers that go up. Um, I, I didn't say to the officer, you know what, officer? Do you remember this on a Mexico trip, you guys? Um, good thing he didn't look in the back, right? Never say that to a border guard, right? I didn't say to the board, to the officer pull me over, um, search me, oh officer, and know my heart, right? Because my heart was terrified right then, right? And and I wouldn't I wouldn't say that because he's a broken human being just like I am, right? But wow, what a dangerous prayer. Think about that for a second. To say to God right now, God search me. No my heart. I don't even let people search my office, right? Uh, much less my heart. A search me prayer is dangerous. And I don't, I don't even think it's because, because of what God might find, right? There probably for some of us, there's areas of our lives that we still need to own. We need to confess. We need to um, turn away from. But look at it like, like, uh, like um, health care person, giving you insight in how you can flourish, right? I'm not, I don't think it's fear about what God might find. I think it's fear about God might reveal to us, right? Because I like to think of myself as a pretty good person. I like to my, think of myself as someone who would help other people. Who I like to think of myself as, as at least if God grades on a curve, as somehow past the C, right? Um, to pray, search me, O oh God, and and know my heart is a prayer to reveal my heart to me. I wonder sometimes if we're hesitant to go to God's throne in prayer because we're afraid, right, about what might be revealed. We're afraid about what God might see. I prayed about this next statement because if I were to say to you, we are all sinners, right? You would do what a lot of you just did. You would nod your head. Theologically, I get that, right? But I want to go harder. I want to suggest to you that we are all liars. We are all liars. And I just made half the room and most of the people on the internet really mad. Why do I say that, right? Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 says, The heart is deceitful. Remember what we just prayed? Search me and know my heart. But what Jeremiah is saying, God through Jeremiah is saying, is the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it, right? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind and give every man according to his ways, right? According to the fruit of his deeds. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness, we are all liars. But before you get too mad at me, um, all of us probably have stumbled at some point and said that little white lie to bail our fannies out of the fire, right? We said that little white lie because we didn't want to like Lincoln tell his wife that he was too fat, she was too fat, right? We didn't, we told little white lies, right? But we're not talking about little white lies. We're talking about deceiving ourselves. The most common lies that we tell are the ones we tell ourselves. 
for the ones we tell ourselves. And one of them might be, might be, you're doing pretty good, right? You've got a grip on this sin thing, right? That might be one of the lies we tell ourselves. Just as common is the opposite. Oh, you are a jerk. There's no good in you, right? You see, see, the messages from the world, from our own flesh, and from the evil one that we begin to inculcate into our hearts here um, are lies, are lies. Our identity comes from our relationship with God. Our identity comes from who He is, not who we are. And, and so um, for David to say, David whose life was a mess, by the way, to say, search me, O God, and know my heart. It was based on everything that Christian just read from them. It's based on a love relationship with God that says, I know you created me. I know you created me good. I know that you know every aspect of my life, and I am under your sovereign control, right? So how do we, what do we do as a result, right? If this is true, that we're prone to believing lies about ourselves and telling lies about ourselves, much less others, right? What do we do? I just want to suggest you get over the fear of being found out. Think about the one who is finding you out. Think about the love of God for you as his precious child. It's so much fun to hear a little voice in the sanctuary, right? There were, there were months where we didn't hear any voices in the sanctuary except mine, right? Um, um, there were seasons where, where out of protection we did not come together, where we did not bring our children. Isn't it wonderful to hear those little voices now? But it always reminds me, children just remind me, oh my goodness, they do wrong things. They, they make messes and we don't think twice about it because our love for them is so great. It overpowers any brokenness that they might cause, right? That's how God feels about us. He loves you in that very same way. Get over the fear of being found out because that's the first step toward your total healing, right? Being found out, being discovered, having having your heart laid bare is the first step toward being completely healed. No, let's not let's not fear being found out. Let's ask God instead to show us what he knows. So you know me, God, better than I know myself. Break through all my false perceptions, good and bad, about myself. God, you tell me what you see when you look at me, right? Show us, God, what you know. He was about a minute late on the cry. Okay, try and do better next time. So. <laughs> That's little Leo. Oh, my goodness. Exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly what I'm talking about. If we were to look carefully at the first 22 verses of this beautiful psalm, by the way, several of you in your mind said, how come they skipped those couple of verses there toward the end? The ones where the ugliness in David's heart comes out, oh, smite them, oh Lord, right? Um, I love, I love David. He's completely authentic. He's completely authentic, and God loves David exactly like he is, right? He's just not going to leave him like he is. He's going to transform him. 
But if we were to look carefully at the first 22 verses of this beautiful psalm, we would discover that God understands, first of all, the way of my mind, right? He says, O Lord, you search me and know me. You discern my thoughts from afar. So, so it's, if we're still living in that, that, um, that divine or benevolent false perception that, that we can think something and as long as we don't say it, we're okay, right? God kind of blows through that, right? You discern my thoughts from afar. God understands my mind, the way of my mind. He understands also the way of my movements, of my actions, right? You search out my path and you're acquainted with all my ways. So he knows my thoughts. He knows my actions, right? He understands the words of my mouth, the way of my mouth. Before a word is even on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. For those of us who are prone to saying, oh, thank goodness I did not say that, right? Uh, Well, well, you thought it, right? It was on your tongue. It was on your tongue. Now, again, do not lose track of this. This is not judgment and condemnation. This is coming clean. This is coming to that place where you recognize that God knows you better than you know yourself. Let's ask God to show us what he knows. But let's ask him also to show us what we're afraid of, right? We said over and over again that, that, that fear is the greatest enemy to faith, right? When we begin to give in to our fears, we put God in a place where he's not free to move among us, to act in our lives, right? The psalmist cries out, try me and know my thoughts. Literally, that word there might be might be cares, right? Cares. I love the way the song translated. My anxious ways, right? Know my anxious ways, right? When the cares of my heart, Psalm 94, are many, God, your consolations cheer my soul. Uh, uh, Peter, uh, exhorting us, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, right? Let's let our cares be washed away in the light of his cares for us. Why is that important? I think because what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least, right? Oh my goodness. Where we, what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. Now, you're human. I'm human. There's no judgment or condemnation in here. There's just an invitation to leave behind our fears and to embrace the reality of God's care for us. See, fear tries to call God powerless, right? And God is not powerless. There is no circumstance that you find yourself in that God is not greater than, right? There's nothing that you could fear that God says, ooh, that one's a little tough for me. Does not happen, right? God is holy, yes. But he's also powerful, right? Powerful. And the really cool thing is the instrument that he has given us to overcome fear, right? 
is love. It's love. Perfect fear casts out all. Excuse me, perfect love casts out all fear. First John 4, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear has to do with punishment, right? And whoever fears is not perfected in love. God's goal is not to punish you. God's goal is to grow you into the image of Jesus. The Apostle Paul, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So much of my life I've tried to do that backwards, right? I've tried to do it. If I can just get a, get self-control in my life, I'll overcome all my brokenness. No, it's God's power. It's God's love that will enable us to exhibit self-control. So let's, let's risk loving first God, then one another, but let's risk loving before fear, right? Love pleasing God, right? More than you fear failing. Love pleasing God more than you're afraid of falling short. Because those things can't coexist. Love crowds out fear, right? And all of a sudden you look up one day and and you recognize I'm not afraid anymore, right? I've learned to trust in the living God. So let's ask God to search us and to know us. Let's ask him to show us what we're afraid of. It's getting tougher and tougher, right? Let's ask him to uncover our sins. Just would commend to you again, Psalm 19, this amazing testimony about a God, like Psalm 139, about God who created us and who formed us, about the power of God's word, right, to speak into our lives. But, but the beauty of Psalm 19 is, is also in this amazing passage in Psalm 19, 12 and 13. Who can discern his errors? Who declare me innocent, God, from hidden faults? Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. And then I shall be blameless. Then I shall be innocent of the great transgression. What, what, again, the blessing of David there is he's showing us how we can risk inviting God to to uncover our sins, the hidden ones, the presumptuous ones, how we can invite God to reveal the pattern of our lives so that we would not be guilty of the unpardonable sin. See, he says, if there be any grievous in ESV or hurtful way in me. Psalm 139, uh, verse 24. Well, four questions, four questions I have for you here. What is God's word trying to tell you? When, when you um, risk dipping into it, many of you have begun new patterns, and, and I, I, I pray that they are bringing life to you. Uh, this, and it's not too late, by the way. It's never too late to, to spend time in God's word. But 
But my guess is as soon as you start to do that, all of a sudden something will jump out at you, right? Um, God, God's word will speak to some area of your life. Ask yourself, what is God's word trying to tell me? For some of us, it might be a, a yet unsurrendered aspect of our life that God wants to gently relieve the burden of. For others, it might be the freedom that comes from knowing you are loved and, and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But ask yourself, what is God's word trying to tell me? Uh, and then ask yourself another question. What are other people trying to tell me, right? What are other people? And start with those closest to you, right? That's always the hardest, right? Start with those closest to you. The one who most is able, the, the human being who can most look at my life and say, um, how about this, Dave, is my wife, right? And and she usually gets the brunt of my fearful reaction when she starts messing with me, right? But but ask, ask yourself, what are others trying to tell me? Ask yourself, what have I rationalized for some period of time, right? And and the way when you catch yourself starting to make excuses, right? But 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 when you start to try and make excuses, there's a good sign that God is bringing something to the surface, like like a benevolent um, metallurgist, right? Bringing the the dross to the surface so that He can remove it. When it's all mixed in with the metal, he can't remove it. When he, when he heats up your life and he, the pressure's on in your life and the dross begins to rise to the surface, that's when God can remove it. What are you rationalizing? What are you making excuses for? Very similar to that is, where am I most defensive? Where am I most defensive? I know we're supposed to guard our hearts for they're the wellspring of life, right? In Proverbs. But... But sometimes God uses other people. He uses his word. He uses these kinds of questions, our defensive reactions, to to point out areas of our life that we need to let go of. I was so concerned just about about translating sin as a liar today, right? Because no one likes to be told they're a liar, right? No one likes to be told they're a sinner, but it just, somehow we've gotten used to that. No one likes to be told that they're a thief. No one likes to be told that somehow they've fallen short of the glory of God. But if you find yourself getting defensive as a result of that, that might be the gift of the Holy Spirit saying, pray this prayer, pray this dangerous prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious ways. See if there's any grievous or hurtful way in me, right? And then there's one more beautiful prayer. It's just as dangerous, but it's beautiful. Lead me in the way everlasting. What what is, come on up, worship team, what is the way everlasting? Right? We said this last week. Jesus clarifies it for us. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? The everlasting way is the way of Jesus. So, so the last part of this prayer is make me like Jesus, right? You're saying, wait a second, I know what happened to Jesus. 
And, and, and I'm not naive to that, beloved. But, but God does not want us putting our trust in the things of this world. Remember the great um, the revelation in, in, in Revelation 12, 12.10, right? What, what do we need to be aware of? What do we need to be thinking about? How are we going to overcome the world, the flesh, our own, uh, the evil one? How are we going to overcome? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, right? Their trust in the everlasting way, by the word of their testimony, that they were not afraid to speak these truths and that they did not love this life so much as to shrink from death. They did not love this life. God is in the business of making you more like his son who did not shrink from death. So my question for you is, what is your, what is your desire today? Is it, is it to build and design around you this artificial structure that makes you feel good about yourself? Or is it Or is it to allow God through his Holy Spirit to break down every defensive wall that you might put up, right? Is it it to say, God, take away anything in me that's not of you, God, until until that day where nothing remains in me, but a sincere desire to honor you, to glorify you. Let's make it our prayer right now. Can we do that?